The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. You know, tonight is the first in four weeks of a series on mindfulness of emotions. So what I kind of like to do is to take things like a topic and and cover it slowly and more in depth and and to explore it together. And um, so tonight I'll focus on kind of just an overview of emotions and their place in the Dharma, uh, as well as um, maybe some more oh, neurobiological, psychological information about emotions. So, and I, I kind of thought it would be good to just start by thinking about um, the purpose of meditation, right? The purpose from the perspective of the Buddha. Um, in Majjhima Nikaya 36, it says, The purpose of meditation, in which one consciously develops mindfulness and discernment, so as to master and understand the skillful use of the mind, is to turn one into the perceptive person who can fully understand the Dhamma. And I'll break that down a little bit, but anybody want me to reread it, or was that good enough? Great. So, in our meditation practice, we're focusing on developing mindfulness and and understanding. So the goal is to become more aware and to relate more skillfully to thoughts and feelings. And by doing this, we can become more perceptive, right? Um, and you know, be more liberated from reactivity and less motivated by greed, hatred, and delusion. So in meditation, we're learning to pay attention to our direct experience, and that includes thoughts, feelings, and body sensations. And, um, and then, you know, we want to grow our ability to understand how these things work. What's the relationship between a thought and an emotion? You know, what, you know, being curious, what happens, you know, what, how does the mind respond to a particular emotional state? Um, so if we can bring that curiosity and understand that, you know, working with emotions in meditation is very much about, you know, this capacity the Buddha is wanting us to cultivate and develop. And the other really big thing is we start to understand by watching our own minds and watching our own conditions as they unfold, the feelings, the responses, the body sensations, the thoughts. As we observe this over and over again, we start to understand the Dhamma, the nature of the mind, the nature of this you know, human conditioning. So, pretty cool. Certainly, a journey of self-discovery, and uh, you know we're all unique. 
So what you sit down and see, Mike, is not going to be the same thing that happens with Carol. Amen. The Buddha used um, one one of the most common suttas that the Buddha that is cited. Lyman, feel free to put yourself anywhere you want. Yeah, come on up, do whatever. Um, Is the arrow sutta? No one, yeah, no one's sitting there. Yeah. Oh, is the Kleenox box deceptive? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is the arrow sutta. And so that's where the Buddha compared the experience of initial unavoidable pain in life as being struck by an arrow. Like that's just, you know, there's just pain. It happens in life. It's not avoidable. But suffering, additional suffering, he explained, comes from our reactions to that pain. So the thoughts that we have in response to that pain, the judgments, the self-criticism, the anger, you know, and the ensuing emotions. So it becomes like you're hit with one arrow and then another and another and another. So uh, just a modern-day example might be uh, receiving constructive criticism at work. You get constructive uh, criticism and the initial feedback might be akin to that unavoidable arrow that hurts and that we're realizing we have areas of improvement. Somebody else noticed we're not perfect. Um, but then the additional suffering arises from how we react to that feedback. If we become defensive, discouraged, you know, or do we use it as an opportunity for growth? So... So let's practice. Let's do a, a guided practice. I'll start with some guidance. Really the aim of this practice tonight will be to encourage you to recognize and allow any emotions that arise. Just try and recognize and allow. That's sort of all. That's all you need to do. And, and <laughs> right. trust, you know, trust this container. Trust that the emotions, if any arise, maybe they won't. You know, maybe then discouragement arises because you're not feeling strong emotions, you know, and just trying to, just being curious, right? And even though the, uh, you know, the goal is to be mindful of emotions, it's practice. It's all practice. So thoughts will come, feelings will, sensations will come. You know, do your practice. Just, just practice. So finding your meditation posture, finding that the way that your body can help support you to feel into this moment. Opening your senses, turning your awareness toward your inner life, and doing so with an attitude of inquisitiveness, curiosity, kindness.
invite you to take a few extra, longer, deeper breaths, maybe even rolling the shoulders up and back. And just feeling those longer, slower breaths, the full length of the inhale. And then the shift to the exhale. And that feeling of release that comes as you exhale. Just allowing the mind to settle on this flow of breathing. Letting the breath be like a wave that carries you into the shore of the present moment. And when you feel sort of more grounded or centered here, take a moment to sort of scan through the body, being just with and noticing how the body feels maybe just generally in the head and face. And then the throat and neck. Maybe the shoulders here too. That collarbone area. In particular, just noticing areas of tightness or tension or ease. And then this chest area, the area all around the heart and the solar plexus. Is there tightness in the heart area when you breathe? You don't need to follow me and my timing, but when you're ready, maybe moving to the belly. Noticing if the belly is soft and moving or butterfly feelings or tingling. Just what's, what's happening in the belly right now? These are all areas where emotions are frequently expressed. 
the head, the face, the neck, the throat, chest, belly. Now also check the arms. Sometimes our hands, our arms will tense with certain emotions, relax with others. And just the way you are right now, just knowing, becoming familiar and friendly with the way the arms and hands feel right now. Breathing into the arms and out from the arms. Maybe notice now your legs and your feet. And how are the feet resting on the floor, cushion? Sometimes the toes will be curled or there'll be a push into the heels or a feeling of being almost ready to stand. So just feeling, ah, are the feet relaxing here? Are the legs relaxing here? And as much as possible, just inviting the body, the hands, the arms, the legs, the buttocks, to allow their weight to be supported by the chair and the floor, cushion. Maybe taking a few more breaths of just breathing into this body and any area of tightness and Longer, slower exhales of relaxing, inviting any tension that isn't necessary to soften, dissolve, without any real effort, just an invitation. And then if you'd like, you might breathe into the whole body, just holding the whole body in awareness, or of expanding what you allow to be known in your mind, heart, body. And then bringing to mind whatever your 
anchor for your practices? Is it the breath? Is it sound? Is it sensation? And when you feel ready, just sort of connecting with that anchor and and then opening up to see what arises. Sometimes emotions can be kind of shy and sometimes they're a little extroverted, so just knowing that we're allowing any experience to be known. Everything's welcome. And take care of yourself. So if you find something arising that feels emotionally overwhelming, or it will overtake your mindfulness. Maybe it's a good idea to open your eyes or shift your focus and resource yourself. So use your your own discerning mind. When an emotion comes up, the first thing for me is to pause. I like to sit back a little bit, to pause and open up the space. Not to rush forward toward it, try and escort it out, but just pausing. And in that pause, taking a breath, resourcing myself. And then can I look and see, turning toward the emotion, 
can I name it? Something very simple. And then can I just kind of relax enough to allow it some space? It's like um, a vibration or a biochemical dance that needs a little room to move in the body. Can I move myself out of the way? And allow the emotion to do its own dance. Just softening and feeling, softening and sensing. Observing as it fades away or shifts. And then when it shifts, recognizing what it has become or what has arisen. And then just simply going back to your primary practice until another emotion arises.
Did anyone have any emotional visitors? Any emotions arise during your sit to practice with? Yeah, Mike, you did. Carol, you did. No? Yeah? Little? Rob, yeah? Lyman, did you get a chance? No, no, no emotion. How about you, Anne? Nothing. Mike did. Okay. <coughs> well, how did the emotion, if you had any, come up? How did it affect, how would you describe the effect on your being? We've got the mics, so if you're willing to say anything about it, just speak the words. Do you mind using that mic, mic? (laughs) Hello? Yes. Yeah, I think it was kind of isolating that emotion from a lot of other things that are typically commingled with it. it. Made it seem a little bit more approachable. Okay. Um, less overwhelming in the mm. context of like the other emotions it usually presents with. So. Yeah. So what I, um, it sounds like the presence of the emotion would normally make things a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. And that somehow by, Isolating, you said, I think, or recognizing it, sort of engaging with it directly. There was something about that that um, made it simpler. Yeah, it was like kind of isolating it. Just seeing it. Just for, like a more pure interaction with yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know, emotions are... Does anyone else willing or interested in saying anything about no pressure just checking before I move on because I asked so we'll have more chance so yeah great so there was a, a thought triggered a, a, a flash of tension in the body a flash of tension in the body yeah 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 I was talking to somebody today who said that they're really wary of their emotions because they have a, a pattern of getting angry. And so they're very nervous about feeling their emotions because they, they said they can catch on fire. That's how they described it. Catch on fire. They catch me on fire. And then I'm saying and doing things that aren't so good. That's what they said. Not me, but you know, the truth is that um, they are some of the most difficult and yet also some of the most pleasant or sublime parts of our lives. They're like the color. You know, a painting that's just drawing and then a painting with color, you know. And that's a lot of what emotions are. It's they bring shades and intensity and calmness and to to the the life we're walking through and it's really the you know love is an emotion right and 
a source of connection, and hatred is a source of disconnection, right? So these extremes. And the word emotion is kind of a helpful, interesting word from a Buddhist perspective. Um, The word emote or emo is to move out. And the word motion, emotion, to move through. So one of the goals in our practice is to let the emotion move through. Let it be the lightning bolt, you know, and letting it move through. And so how do we do that skillfully, right? How do we do that skillfully? Some important things to know about emotions are um, that they're said to last, from a biochemical perspective, about 90 seconds. So not long. Moods are something different, right? And, And a lot of emotions do stick around more than 90 seconds because we re trigger them. We re trigger them. But maybe knowing that they're only 90 seconds, it gives you inspiration to take that breath and open up and let it move through. <laughs> yeah. Then another thing is to notice that how we respond, how we're relating to our emotions. Like, Mike, I don't know. I'm going to make this up, but I I love what you shared about, like, so if an emotion that we don't really like comes up, we might be kind of going like this, you know, turning our head and, like, kind of ignoring it, wanting it to kind of stay, keep its distance. But there is actually a way that we're kind of continuing the emotion or... um, by avoiding it, that there's a way that this gives it energy because we're actually trying not to feel it. <laughs> and that by, you know, actually changing our relationship and turning with willingness to kind of receive them, um, it, it can make them be less bothersome or they last as lo- less long. Maybe they become more intense. But if we can practice stillness, receptivity and curiosity, they can make their way through. So this is a little bit about that second arrow simile too. How are we relating to them in a way? Are we adding to it or are we just sort of being simple with it? So I think emotions are really fascinating. Like what, I don't have answers exactly to these questions, right? But what are they? What it, what causes them? You know, how do they? Why is it that they change over time? You know, what is their chemical makeup? Um, how do they? How is it they impact our health? Right? We know that they impact our health, our relationships. You know, um, they impact our actions. And who is it that's creating them in any way? <laughs> Who's creating these emotions? Who's sending them into me? So I can't exactly answer all of that, but I can provide sort of a, a, a kind of a, a historical or developmental biological perspective, behavioral perspective, in that, you know, they're, they're complex. There's a lot of complexity around them. And they can be challenging because they can be so powerful. You know, they're, they're compelling in, um, in, in getting us to do things. And um, 
it's thought that they were probably easier to handle when we lived in smaller, more intimate communities than they are um, in the kind of societies that we live in now. I don't know, but that's the complexity of more relationships and more complex things contributes, I think, to a um, complicated um, relationship and responses to emotions. But emotions actually provide immediate or kind of an intermediate, it said, feedback about our motives and actions as well. So they can be feedback for us. What we start to feel can also be a a way of noticing some intentions and motivations that we may or may not be aware of. And from the evolutionary perspective, what we know is that they evolved to help us identify and respond to threats Positive emotions evolve to signify that things are going well, so we notice. And negative emotions really indicate potential threats. So that's kind of what we know about how they sort of have evolved over time. And the function, each emotion sort of has a function. And we can ask ourselves, well, how does it influence us? We can ask what happens in our body when we have a certain emotion. And that will kind of tell us a little bit about the function of the emotion. So just to name some negative emotional states in general are anger, right? Anxiety, disgust, shame, guilt. Some positive emotions are excitement, contentment. You know, love and affection, right? So, so, you know, there's this emotional wheel. You can find it probably if you Google it. I've seen it on the Google image. And it's just, it's this huge wheel with tons and tons and tons of names of emotions. You know, there's so, there's so many varieties Yeah. So what else do you know about emotions? What else what other questions do you have about them? What other thoughts come up about emotions? Anybody? Do you like having them? Do you not like having them? I'm curious about what you said about the 90 seconds because it doesn't feel like that. It feels like yeah. if I get angry that it's for, you know, a day. And, um, you know, the same when I'm feeling great. But um, yeah, could you explain a little more about that, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so the, the research comes from a woman named Jill Bolt-Taylor who wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight. And she was a neuro scientist and she had a stroke so the book is a fun play on words and but it was through that stroke that she witnessed and watched things happening in her brain in ways that led her to deepen her understanding and then to do research so she literally measured the biochemical presence of emotions in the body you know and how long it took for them to dissipate and that's what she found 90 seconds so the 
the thing now becomes, oh, hmm, okay, so if it lasts all day, what's happening in the mind? What's happening in relationship to that emotion? And anger is one of those that is so, it can be so self-fulfilling, right? Like if we start to justify it and feel wronged and, you know, it's like it just can really create a very quick feedback loop is what I would describe. What would you describe? Do you mind? Yeah, with uh, anger specifically, and I think you were speaking of an example of someone else that, that felt like it accelerated, and that's what it feels like. An accelerator. Me. Yeah, it just feels like it's uh, getting tighter and faster and more repetitive. Yeah, um, tighter, faster, more repetitive. So let maybe take a moment to... Um, <laughs> we're going to do flash dancing. <laughs> What, take a minute to feel into the posture of anger. If you're angry, what happens? What do you do in your body? Like, let's see it. What do you look like? How do you sit? Um, it's a little hard for me to access, but I, you know, I know I'm, I start to shut down for me. Um, I feel like I'm pressing. What else? What do you guys feel in your body? What happens? Thank you, Carol. Sometimes I feel like a flushing. A flushing. Like I get hot and... Yeah, flush and like a whoosh. A whoosh. Yeah. I love that hand gesture too. Yeah, the whooshing and the, um, and then there's like a tensing. And a tensing. A well, even forward. a shaking. I could feel the shaking in my body when you, you know, did and that. Moving forward rather than like slumping. Moving forward rather than slumping. Beautiful. That kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Leave it on. Sure. Unless we start getting feedback, Rob. Anyone? Want to add anything, Rob, to that? We need the mic back. <laughs> I notice this tightness in my shoulders and my jaws clenched, and usually my hands are. Mike's. Yeah. 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 Lots of yeses in that one. Yeah. So, you know, there. Emotion. It's it really it wants motion, <laughs> and the body follows. That knows the body knows how to express emotion. There's Daniel Goldman who studies um, microfacial movements of emotions, and I mean it's amazing. But like there are little teeny tiny muscles in this body that know what to do when we feel sad and happy and angry and scared and shame, like different things literally in a very um, predictable way happen. And, you know, this is not consciously controlled. So our next flash dance move would be happy. What do you feel in your body? What happens to your body when you feel happy? How do you sit different? How do you look? How do your eyes focus differently? That's another thing. I didn't, the eyes will look, literally zero in on things with anger. Whereas with happiness, it's more broad, open, expansive. Our nervous system is adapting to the situation, literally. And the blood is pumping to our muscles when we're angry. 
and threatened and away from the brain, actually, when we need it the most, all right? And then, you know, when we're depressed or sad, what happens? Oh, my gosh, right? There's a lack of energy. There's a sagging, you know, sort of a... It feels really different just from the posture perspective. And in fact, you could, pot, you could take on the posture of one of these emotions and you can generate the emotional uh, experience potentially because it's so closely matched in the, in the system. So did I answer your question, Rob? Great. <laughs> Any other reflections, thoughts about emotions? Reactions to anything I said? Yeah, I don't, uh, I very rarely feel outright anger. Mm-hmm. It's more frustration mm-hmm. and annoyance. And that definitely is, it's mainly in the jaw and shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your conversation about the small village life versus our current complex life reminded me of um, in the, in the, Buddhist book group, we just finished reading uh, Why Buddhism is True, and he tries to, I'm not sure how scientifically based they are, but he tries to conjure up the evolutionary basis of a lot of things. And the one conversation that seemed relevant was road rage, Mm. that in a small village, if someone is, you know, disrespects you, treats you wrong, whatever, some offense, and you've got the capacity to go chase them down and beat them up or whatever. You have sent a message that will actually change future behavior of the perpetrator. That isn't the case for road, for, um, road rage, right? Uh-huh. There, and so he, he was, he, a lot of his points have been stuff that evolved that might have been useful, useful and relevant in a small mm-hmm. town just doesn't work so we have to override and choose different different strategies i just thought that was that was really fascinating absolutely absolutely i mean our emotions evolved from a very different circumstance very different so there's so much threat that comes up for people and that comes up as you know anger but also comes up as fear and anxiety and 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 other people freezing right getting stuck and there's so much that triggers here. Here, there's great stories. Like there's a story about a paper paper tiger. Have you ever heard this story about an artist? Um, I, I think it was in Asia somewhere. And this artist was a very good artist, and he was drawing a, a tiger, and just this beautiful rendition of a tiger. And then at one point, he looked at his tiger and he screamed and he ran. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, and like it's a paper tiger, you know. But it, it, there's so much in our society that's that are paper tigers, you know. And then there's also all these threats that are so distant, but because of the news, they're in our faces all the time and triggering the same, you know, maybe much less degree, but they're triggering the same responses. Our bodies, you know. What we imagine in our mind, what we think about, our bodies respond to. 
It's like the body doesn't know whether it's imagination or happening for real. It's just going to say, oh, you're thinking this? Okay, we're going to feel this. Oh, that? Okay, we're going to feel this. And so, you know, we if we start to really see that, we are like, wow, what do I, my poor body, right? Let me take care of it. Let me be careful what I'm bringing into this mind. I think, you know, what am I consuming? What am I generating? Like, what am I listening to and watching? What am I putting in here? And then what am I creating in here? And what's the impact? What's the impact? So, um, one of the good tools for working with emotions and difficult thoughts is this raft practice. So that's the handout you picked up. And there was a, a simile... Um, a raft simile that the Buddha taught, where he talked about um, a raging river, right? And this river is to represent the floods of life, you know, and intense emotions, greed, hatred, delusion, all of this swelling coming madly down the river. And you see this, you know, it's a simile for these emotions. And you see the river, and there's no bridge. There's no way to cross the river. There's no boat. There's no bridge. There's no road. There's no way. So that what he said is, this is what we're facing. And that to get to the other shore, to get away out of from this torrential threat, we need to build the raft of mindfulness. And then we paddle the raft across to the other shore. And so this practice of raft is inspired by this simile. And the steps of the raft are like the steps of what we take to create mindfulness, to create discernment, to create awareness. And, um, you know, we're, we're building a raft in this, with this practice to help ourselves cross these you know, the, the, the torrent at times, you know. So, um, so I'll just, let's see, I think I'll just walk you through the practice, just like it's, and maybe sometimes, sometimes I invite people to think about a situation in your life where you know there's some emotion, and then you can use that practice, this guided practice with that in mind and but don't choose something that's going to be overwhelming for you okay (laughs) so just take a moment because again the mind imagines the body feels so take a moment to imagine bring to mind the situation something you feel comfortable exploring in here you feel as your mindfulness is stronger than it And when it's present for yourself, you the first part is to recognize, I see you, I see you, I recognize this situation. And you might be recognizing a, a dilemma or an emotion or a conflict, just giving it a simple name. Ah, this is up right now. Okay, I recognize you're familiar, you're here. All right. And then the A of raft is 
Okay, you're here. I'm going to allow you some space. Now, if we choose something that's too difficult, we might just be feeling resistance. So if you're feeling resistance, name the resistance, recognize that, and then allow the resistance. Allow the resistance to be present. It's already here. You, you, th- you start thinking, you start feeling. And when it feels ready for you, feel it in your body. Whatever the emotion that is present with this. See if you can find it and feel it in your body. The body speaks with sensations. Emotions want us to, they're a messenger. They want us to do something, to know something. So feeling it by receiving the sensations. And if you can't feel, feel the resistance or the block or the absence, you can still sense into something. Seeing if you can feel what the body is being directed to do with that emotional presence or the lack of it. And when the emotional response is and if you felt into it as much as is possible or right, the next part of the practice is to tease things apart. So I brought some visual aids. <laughs> so the thing about emotions and thoughts is they're kind of slippery, right? You have a a feel like they can be slippery, they're hard to, you know, kind of stay with because they're amorphous and they're not visible. So I like to, when I'm doing this teasing apart, I like to imagine that there's chairs and that everything that's shown up gets its own seat. So, (laughs) you know, my little anger gets to have a chair. gets to have a seat at the table. And my little heart that wants to love, love, love gets to have another chair. That's there too, right? Because it's, it's not just one thing. Even if it's anger, there's other stuff there. And then there's me and this person I'm in conflict with and we're all like this. Right? We get our space over here. And so this idea of just sort of helping ourselves, okay, okay, I've got this anger, you know, it's because I'm hurt. It's because I want them to be different or because I want to be different. Oh, and then there's 
greed over here for more of this or that. And then there's a little, I hate this over here, aversion, you know. And then there's this, oh, and then there's a story from fifth grade. (laughs) It's right here. I'm never going to let that happen to me again. Right? And so we start to see how whatever's happening in this moment is is an amalgam of all these different things. And isn't it a lot easier to go, oh, with this one part, if I'm not holding all of it? And the dragon, okay, yes, I know you're really angry, you know, just giving it, you know, but if I pull it apart, I can give each little part some space and have an independent view and relationship. And I can see how maybe they're, oh, this this fifth grade story, man, it keeps kicking up this, kicking up this, you know, and then that triggers this. So it just starts to help us tease apart the complexity of that's happening, much of it under the surface, much of it below conscious awareness. Because that's how the mind is. Right? It's an association organ and a prediction organ. So we have this library, inner library of experience. And when something comes up and it seems like peanut butter and jelly, we think about all of our peanut butter and jellies. And then we think about that peanut butter and jelly sandwich that made me sick. And I hate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And pretty soon... We don't even realize this is almond butter and, you know, (laughs) something, you know, whatever. And it's not peanut butter and jelly, but it looked like it, and we were already hating it because we were remembering this stuff. And all of this is kind of what makes our life really possible to live. If we had to be fully meeting each moment and new and learning everything all over again, we wouldn't have time to work our jobs and drive our cars and talk on the phones and do all these things. But it's important to understand that this is what's happening and to have a practice that can help us pull it apart. And by pull apart, I really probably should just say it's more like an open hand that allows things to relax and untangle. Like a warm bath as opposed to like, you know, because we're pulling and yanking, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And we also, we don't need to dig with this practice. Things, it's just we work with what's evident, what comes forward. Don't, don't add. We don't need to add. Just, just take what comes forward. And then there's another T, which is how we sort of. It's like. You know, at some point, you guys laughed, right, when I was doing this. Can anybody say what happened for you when you laughed? Was it just this, or was there some click of understanding that happened for you? Anne, would you mind saying what it was? Yeah, there was the visuals are very effective at, at turning words into actual understanding. So, yeah. Yeah, and when you felt that understanding... Can you describe anything more about that experience for you? Was there a feeling of relaxing? 
probably a feeling of relaxing, a, a more interest. There was more interest in what you were talking about. Uh-huh. Before it was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, just suddenly it, it was more relevant. Great. Yeah. Great. Great. Sorry about that. But <laughs> no, 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 I love it. It's beautiful, and I'm very glad I brought my visual aids. <laughs> Carol, can you, yeah. Um, yeah, I love the visuals too. I'm actually a very visual person, very visual learner. So I love the dragon. <laughs> All of it is great. And um, I can really relate to because I didn't mention in my opening meditation, I felt like that, like I, I had about, it started with anxiety and then it seemed like I had about five to six different emotions that just sort of cascaded this one after another. And that would be represented uh, yeah. in that form there. <laughs> yeah, and there's something I don't know, there's something right that makes it a little easier. Yeah. I think, I think it was for me it was like the silliness of the visuals was really representative like of the silliness of being <laughs> I'm going to try to experience anger, happiness, elation, <laughs> depression, sadness like all at the same time. Like that's a very silly. Why would I be able to do all of those things simultaneously? So Beautiful. Beautiful. And that's what we try to do, isn't it? Yeah. Or we get in this behind that we think, you know, I'm angry. No, I'm, I love. No, I'm angry. And we think we can't have two experiences at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Rob. I think I like that you had everything in a bag and it can be seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it is, yes. Yes, and that's what our practice does for us is it helps us reveal what we're packing around in our in our bags, you know? And that's the below-the-surface stuff, you know? It's just out of sight, not inaccessible. But it's, it you know, it gets mangled together, like you're describing, Mike. We think, we, you know, how, do, well, how am I supposed to be feeling all these things at once, you know? But it's it's all in there. Lyman, would you be willing to say anything you don't? I know it's like emotions aren't always so, you know easy for you, so our present for you. So I don't know if you want to say anything about how this practice is landing for you. And and you don't have to say a thing at all. I don't know if there's much to say. <laughs> I mean, it is hard for me to access emotions. Yeah. And when I do, they're very kind of suppressed and low level. I mean, I don't get angry very much, but I don't get very happy, mm-hmm. elated. Mm-hmm. too much either yeah so maybe that's something i want to develop more here and how how might it be helpful for you to think about you know like if you have a little bit of something just what if what if you found a little object for yourself what if you found just a little bit of a way to help yourself kind of give it a little more weight or a little more presence, a little more just being curious. Oh, you're like this, you know, like floppy and light, and but you're kind of squishy too or whatever it is or cold or, you know. So literally finding an object? Literally you could find objects and see what happens. Play with it a little bit and see if it helps you connect a little bit more. <coughs> Or, or just feel a little bit more resonance with it, you know? Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I use these with adults. <laughs> Mike, you had the mic. Did you want to say anything? I was just going to say that um, what really got a chuckle out of me was the, the thing about fifth grade. Yeah. Because the, you know, I earlier mentioned that Flash. Yes. Like that was remembering something from high school. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So, um, let's do, you guys want to get into a couple of small little groups and have some little conversation? Some, yeah, I think that would be nice. Okay. Um, so go ahead and maybe groups of three, two groups of three. Yeah. 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 Mix it up. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yes, you don't need to do a mic for this. That's right. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. So just introduce yourselves. Just say a little bit about your practice. I mean, literally a couple of words, you know. And... um and then what I want, the first thing to do is just go around and each person say a sentence at a time and just just talk a little bit about the role of emotions in your life. And then I'll come in with another question. Just how, how does emotion show up for you and what is your relationship to it? So is that clear? Great. Please begin. So you don't need to stop yet, but if you're ready to shift, so just, you know, you don't, you can go with your flow. But then th- if you're ready to shift, the next question would be, are there any emotions that you would like to relate to differently? And if so, what would happen if you did? Just let yourself imagine. And so the way to kind of do this in the the group would be maybe choose an emotion one emotion and share what it would be that you would like to relate differently and then talk a little bit for you know maybe a minute or two so a little bit longer share per person what would happen if you did relate to it differently let your mind sort of unfold a little bit and imagine how that might go for you and just continue in that way when you're ready <clears throat> yeah, so any anything you'd like to share from your your discussions? Was it was it useful in some way? Lyman's passing out 
microphone. Mike, thank you. Yeah, yeah we, um, the, the, the questions and the discussions led me to, to explore some things I hadn't really considered before. Nice. Yeah, kind of, I mean, you know, there's nothing earth-shattering, but it's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I should think about that. Great. Great. And Mike? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a a nice place to sort of crystallize some thoughts that had occurred earlier. And like you said, it's, it's not earth shattering, but it kind of is in some ways when you're like, Oh, if I just had forgotten about this, yeah, you know, and the way I approach it, uh, you know, the emotion of sadness, not from a place of negativity, but just, mm. Hey, it's actually, it's actually a good thing. Mm. You know, it, it means there's, there was something missed or there's some reason that you're sad, not just like, well, whatever. Right. So I think that was really like powerful for me. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Good. So don't make it worse. Just don't make it worse. Don't, don't add second arrows. And you know, when you're meditating, in particular, the invitation is to try and allow the emotions to move through you, equally good and bad emotions, equally. So just try practicing non-clinging, <laughs> and non whether clinging because you like it or clinging because you want to get rid of it. Try practicing non-clinging to whatever emotional states arise in your practice, and then. This raft practice is particularly useful when you have a persistent, repetitive, you know, emotional cluster or thinking that, you know, helps you kind of walk yourself through through the process. Yeah, and um, the trust, I feel like, did I ever come back to the trust, the last T? Did I? I don't think I did, so let's do that now. So... I, w- I remember I was cultivating some things to try and bring... Yeah, okay. Um, so, you know how after you see, oh, like Mike, what you said, oh, all these things, I'm trying to make myself feel all these things at once. Oh! <laughs> like that insight, that awareness, that comes from the practice. And that you can trust. And there's something about letting go, you know, being liberated from being stuck, you know. That's kind of that landing pad for the practice, you know. What did I get from this? What was useful? You know, oh, just, you know, Mike, what you just said. It doesn't have to be, you know, know, earth-shattering. It's just, oh, I, I had a perspective shift. I can trust that when things shift, and my, I can see them differently, I have a different insight or a different perspective, or I remember something else. So just what, what can you trust? And there's a letting go that happens in that, you know, where we stop trying to c- control and fix and all of that. And then there's this leaning into, leaning into your learning, what the practice is teaching you, the Dharma. So may you go off and paddle your rafts and (laughs) reach the other shore. (laughs) And hopefully we'll see you again. Thank you all so much.